Welcome to the Educator State of Mind podcast, the best daily resource for educators to thrive at work and flourish in life. I'm your host, Jake Ruzzi. Every day, we'll explore tips, tricks, tools, practices, and stories to help you achieve and maintain a healthy life-work balance while working in education. Let's get to it. Today, I'm talking with a very special guest, Miss Ashley Gore of learningwithmisslegro.com. We talk about a lot of really important stuff today, like how many decisions an educator makes in a single day and how we can begin liberating ourselves from decision-making to be able to make our lives a little bit easier and our jobs a little bit more sustainable. We talk about getting creative with the time we have and the resources we have and how we can adjust the way that we work in order to have it make a little bit more sense for our own individual styles. It's a really good conversation. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And so here we go. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to have you on the show. You do a lot to support educators and just self-care, making working in education and being a teacher more sustainable. And you've had a lot of experience and success with that. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. I'm really excited to talk about what I love most, and that's teaching and helping teachers. I think that is pretty true for anybody listening. Working in education is, is a passion. It's more than just a job for most people. But unfortunately, we know how hard it is and we know how hard it can be to take care of ourselves. And you have a lot of experience with kind of diving into this like self-care stuff. So, you know, share with us a little bit. What's your experience with working in education? So a little bit about me as an educator. I was a public school teacher for seven years. I taught both third and fourth grade. I taught fourth grade for five years in a very rural school district in Illinois. Um, And then I taught third grade in a more urbanized school district in Iowa. So very similar grades, but two very different school districts, two very different administrators, two very different states. Even though they border each other, they handle things completely differently. And so I'm sure a lot of people listening understand that sometimes the state can make such a big deal or the principal makes such a difference in how you're able to teach and what you experience in the classroom. So that's the overarching main stuff about me teaching. So I was in the classroom until 2022 um, and have done a lot of things during then, since then to help other educators. But yeah, my passion really still lies in education. And you've done a lot. I did a little bit of research. You, you've given trainings on, you know, ed tech and some of the cool things that are happening with that. You even wrote a book, which I have here. Oh, it's, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's super fantastic. I was able to get a copy and I, I will leave the link to get your own copy in the show notes. You know, and I really like, if I could just talk about your book for a second, I really Forever. like the approach that you take with laying this out. And in it, you know, you're pretty clear with this is not just another self-help, like, let's have some feel-good feelings about this. You really get into kind of some real stuff in here. And what I appreciate is the structure of it, is that you have a 36-week training program, basically, for guiding someone through a self-care journey and a self-care plan. Mm -hmm. And what I appreciate is you go, you know, from something as simple to just getting outside to something that, you know, I bookmarked, which was week 16 liberating yourself from decision making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty cool to find in something that's related to self-care. So 
I'll let you take it from here. What do you mean by liberating yourself from decision making? Yeah. So that in itself, I mean, as a teacher, I don't remember. Let me actually look for this statistic. Teachers make an absurd number of thing, decisions each day. So I did a lot of research, like you said, behind the book. And the average person makes over 35,000 decisions each day. And if you think about that in terms of being a teacher, so as I taught, the, la the last class I had, I'll use for an example, I taught third grade and I had 24 students. And so I'm not only making that many decisions like for myself and just even like projects I'm working on, but I have to make constant decisions for every single student. And I mean, everybody listening and you can relate as well, that at the end of the day, I just remember like the kids would leave and I'm just sitting there kind of blanked out sometimes. I just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to make for dinner? What am I going to do when I get home? And it's just another decision. So I feel like the strategies I put forward in the book and a lot of the things I've researched helps kind of take that burden off the, your plate by planning ahead as much as possible and just making things as easy as possible. Because at the end of the day, as passionate as you are about teaching, you're just tired a lot of the time. And the last thing you want to do is use more brain power to make those decisions. And so just making it as easy as possible for yourself, I think is huge. In the example that you give, you go on to talk about like even something as simple as setting up your morning routine or your afternoon routine, that is going to make a huge difference in the way that you make decisions. I mean, I think people probably heard the story of like Steve Jobs, the one everybody points to of like he wore the same clothes every day so he could cut down on the number of decisions. Yeah. I like that because I don't like picking out what I like to wear, but some yeah. people, you know, it's not for them. So what would you recommend as like a good place for how you can engage with this work of limiting your decisions uh, when it comes to working in the classroom? In terms of being a teacher, so thinking outside the box, not just talking about like when you come home and stuff, but even as a teacher, and this is so true, not only for like what your students need, but really just keeping routines, keeping things as routine as possible. Students, especially I'm thinking in terms of elementary students or students who might not have routine or stability at home, need routine. We as humans thrive off of routine as spontaneous as someone, some of us say we are, even just like having those rituals. Um, so when my students came in the classroom, they knew exactly what they were going to do. As I went on in my career, I felt like I was making less from scratch and just not reinventing the wheel with everything I did. And so every morning I would come in, I had a slide ready to go. I would just type in the new information and it's ready to go. So it's very predictable for the students. Um, it takes away all of that reteaching you need to do. And of course, you're still going to need to remind students, okay, remember we do X, Y, Z at this time, but being able to keep as many like templates as you can do the exact same things at the same time every day and just like putting your own flair on it. And like you're obviously you're teaching different standards and such, but just making as many routines as you can will make it easier on yourself and save you that time. But it's also easier on your students. And those routines, I mean, as much as our students thrive in them, I can't function without my routine. Like if I go to sleep, my bedtime's 10 o'clock, which might be too late for some people. Mm -hmm. But if I go to sleep at 10.01, my routine is off and I feel like I haven't had a good night's sleep. So, you know, that translates into the work that we do as well. And I think that, 
you also have a lot to offer in terms of some of those templates and some things that you've built. You know, you have a teacher's pay teacher store. What kind of things do you do you have to offer on there? Yeah. So for teachers, pay teachers, my niche is primarily upper elementary. And so I started my teacher's pay teacher store, I believe, in 2017. So my second or third year of teaching. And I started by just putting up things I was already making for my own students. Some teachers love all of the creative aspects of creating a lesson and some don't and they just want to get to the actual act of teaching. And so I was able to capitalize on something I loved, which is that creative side. I even I have a minor in graphic design, which sounds like a very interesting mix of major and minor, but it it came in handy with that. And so it started just by uploading those lessons. And then, I mean, when I would go home, I would perfect them a little more, take more time on them. But then just over time, it became kind of a creative outlet for me. And I realized not every teacher, A, has the time to do that. And so I was using my time at the time as a single woman, no kids having that time at home and having it be something that really fills my cup and wasn't just something I was doing for work and being able to put it up for for free a lot of the time or just for $1, $2, whatever it might be. And being able to help other teachers in the process was amazing. And so I still do Teachers Pay Teachers. So it's been seven, six years now. Am I doing the math right? Six years now. And so it's primarily for upper elementary teachers. I would say like grades two through six can find things in my store, but a lot of my academic standards are rooted in third and fourth grades. I mainly focus on math because I love math, primarily math, a lot of technology integration, as well as social emotional learning. So those are my, the big things I hit with some writing mixed in there as well. All fantastic stuff. And I mean, I think just the, the ability to just go on and find high quality materials that you don't have to spend, I mean, sometimes hours building yourself can just get you right to the important work that you want to do, which is sitting with kids, teaching and doing the part that we love the most. Because I mean, who doesn't like to make a spreadsheet? I'm one of those people, but that's not what we signed up for. No, no, not at all. And it's, it's hard too, because I feel like some teachers listening are like, i barely have to use things like that because my district provides it all. But then there's other teachers because I started making things because I needed it. My first district had zero curriculum. I just knew what I was supposed to teach and had to figure out how to teach it. And even my last district, I had curriculum, but a lot of it was pretty dry. And so I had to find things to make it a little more fun and engaging. Or one of the curriculums we had was not very differentiated. And so I needed resources for my learners who needed more intervention and stuff like that. And so, yeah, anything and even now, and I'm very transparent that I am no longer in the classroom teaching, I continue to do teachers pay teachers because I'm spending all the time I feel like I do have now to help teachers and help save them time, engage their students. And it's just a win-win for everybody in the classroom at that point. Well, and we all thank you for that. It's fantastic. (laughs) So thank you very much. I want to shift perspective a little bit, kind of along the lines of like getting to the point where you could create some of these things Mm -hmm. and kind of going through your journey of starting as a teacher and then realizing that this was a need that now other people are having. What kind of advice would you give to somebody now stepping into the role of a teacher or who's interested in joining the, the education workforce to what can they do to make this a little bit more sustainable from the start? So I would say my biggest advice is 
take care of yourself first. Because I feel like when we be- when we become teachers, when I became a teacher, it's so student focused. And that is the role of the teacher. However, I feel like there's all of these like inspirational quotes we hear as teachers and what administrators and society says that we are there for the students. And that gets so drilled in our head. And I heard this quote recently that I think is true for everyone, but just I wish I would have had it as a teacher is that you should fill your own cup first and then give from the overflow. And because one thing I noticed, even just as a teacher, is there became a point where my identity was a teacher. And I think everybody listening can understand that. But I felt like all I was doing was teaching related. I would stay at school late. I would go home and still do teaching things. And I would wake up and just be tired. There became a point where I was just tired and irritable because I hadn't taken care of myself first. And so when you're able to focus on your own self-care, when you're able to really, really work on those boundaries, and it's really hard. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's really hard for some people, including myself. I was able to just be a better person. And once I I take the time to focus on myself, then when I went to work and was able to be in the classroom, I could focus on my students because I had already focused on myself. And those problems arise when you haven't taken care of yourself and then it's just all jumbled up at the same time. So I would say that's probably my biggest advice. Which is not the messaging that a lot of people entering the career get at all. Mm -mm. It's, hey, how many things are you going to sign up for? We have all these events we need people to come to. Oh, we also have these extra classes that need to get taught who's ready. And it just piles up and piles up. And then we're left at the end of the day without much to give. And then we certainly aren't recharging on four, five hours of sleep, maybe. Not not at all. So with that too, now, nowadays we have a lot of technology at our disposal and sounds like you've integrated technology into your practices and kind of some of the things that you do. My question for you is, have you been using AI? Yes. (laughs) And with that, what would you recommend as far as like, what are some tools that are out there that people should pay attention to and how have you as an educator And as a teacher, like figured out, kind of sifted through, there's so much stuff out there right now. And everybody's talking about AI. Not all of it's helpful. We need to be clear about that. Yes. What have you found that is helpful and how have you made that distinction in your work? Yeah. So I first want to make the distinction to, I feel like AI as a buzzword and tools in general first started really getting popular when I left the classroom. And so there wasn't a ton I did with it in the classroom. And if there was, like, there were certain things, like, I would use, like, different game platforms, like Kahoot and stuff like that. And it might have said, hey, let us automatically do this for you. I'm like, oh, that's a cool feature. But it wasn't, like, a big thing yet. And, I mean, I'm I'm saying it like I taught so long ago. And it was only a year and a half ago. And just AI has completely taken over. But now I do in my uh, full-time job, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, um, I do use AI quite a bit. And I'm also in an environment where we talk about AI because we are a digital media company. And I would say, first of all, test everything if possible and read reviews. I feel like it's so easy just to hear, like, see these shiny things on the internet and say, oh, cool, I need to use that. I'm going to use it. But then you have so many tools and you don't know how to use it or you're not using it effectively. And essentially, 
You could be wasting money if it's a paid thing. You could be just wasting more time, which you do not need to do as a teacher. So even thinking about like ChatGPT, I feel like is the biggest AI thing out there right now. And everybody knows what that is. But even that's not 100% perfect. And it may not fit what you need. Just earlier today, I had it. I had heard people like, oh, it can make your grocery list for you. I'm like, cool, I'm going to do that. And it forgot a couple of things that I knew I needed for a recipe. And so it's not 100% perfect. And you have to take that with a grain of salt and not use AI to completely replace things that you're doing, but use it as like an aid or a tool. So like I personally, I'm not super familiar with any like specific like K-12 in the classroom AI tools. I know there are some out there that help you make lessons and automatically make quizzes and slideshows. Even like Canva can automatically help you make slideshows now, which is awesome. I've used that for myself and used it as a starting point and then edited it. But I think it's also important for teachers to remember that AI is not going to replace you. I feel like that's a huge thing right now is like, oh, AI is taking over and um, there's going to be less jobs and stuff. The thing with being a teacher is it's so tied to emotions and specific behaviors. Um, AI is a tool or makes up tools that can help you, but that's about the extent. So, I mean, if you think about things as a teacher, like whether it's writing lesson plans, making quizzes, slideshows, whatever it is, thinking about what that is and thinking, is there something out there that can help me save this time? So for example, one thing I thought of is, like I said, like didn't have a lot of curriculum at one school, or I had to make supplemental lessons for a reading group. Or let's say um, as a third grade teacher, I had a reading passage my students were supposed to read. But it's way over some kids' heads because especially after the pandemic, students were reading at a lot lower level. So what I would have to do is I would have to rewrite it. Whereas now you can copy paste it, put it into chat GPT and essentially say, write this at a second grade reading level or rewrite this and make the vocabulary a little simpler. If you're planning like a unit of the American Revolution, you could say, write me a fifth grade level reading passage about XYZ and it will spit it out for you. And it can like help you do things like that. Really, I think what it comes down to, how can it help save you time? And really, before you use a tool, think, is this going to help me if it actually does what it says? And then read reviews, try it out, et cetera. I think that's great advice. And I really like the point that you made about it's not here to replace the work. It's not here to work with the kids. It's not here to replace you and your expertise. It's here to help you on the backside with cutting down prep time, mm-hmm. you know, making everything you're doing simpler. Like you're going to have to rewrite that passage in simpler language anyways. So save yourself some time. You're still going to have to read through it. You're still going to have to check it, make sure the AI didn't you know, totally mess it up and it, it did what you asked it to do. Mm-hmm. But it's helping you save time on the things that you're going to have to do anyways. And lets you, again, get back to the work that we really want to do, which is meet with our students, teach them directly and interact with them and support them on an individual level instead of spending all this time creating stuff when we could be actually working with them. Yeah, you said it perfectly. So I want to shift gears again. You mentioned that you're no longer in education and now you work for a digital media company. I'm curious because I've seen this happen with a couple of different educators that I know 
whether they're coming into the field of education as a second career or whether they're leaving and exploring something new beyond education. There's kind of a weird bubble that we experience where we kind of have our practices in education and some things are kind of slow to penetrate into that bubble for good reason, right? We don't want to start using things with kids that aren't tried and true and tested and going to be best for everybody. Um, like AI, which I think is why there's a lot of concern around this right now, uh, because we're not quite sure what it can do. There are some really significant safety risks that we have when it comes to protecting student information and protecting student identities and making sure that we have accurate information for our students. But on kind of a less high stakes topic, what have you seen in your work outside of the classroom that you think, you know, might be something that we could consider bringing into schools, into our practices as, as educators and into just our workflows, whether that be like the way that we communicate, the relationship that we have with our work, the boundaries that we build with ourselves and our coworkers, our organizations. I think a couple different things popped into my mind. It's twofold. So one, to hit on tools, there are so many tools out there and so many, so much of what I use for my work. So I am a curriculum developer and community manager. I'm currently actually transitioning more into solely the curriculum side um, for a digital media company that helps entrepreneurs. And so we do education for entrepreneurs. And so I am the only, actually, I'm not the only one on the team now um, that's a former teacher. We have another one who actually works in our marketing department, which says a lot about what teachers can actually do. Um, but I'm the only one that really works on like the learning side of things. And so I can kind of relate those things to teaching and education. And a lot of the tools we use, I think education could use and like take a lot of everything, like as simple as we use Slack for communication, very popular tool. But even just when I think back to teaching, all communication at both schools I was at was via email. And it was always just very long reply all threads and things get lost and things are not streamlined. Whereas a tool like Slack, has different categories. You can reply to specific threads. Just some type of tool like that to help just streamline communication, I think would be huge, even just within a single school or larger teams. I had always worked on smaller teams, so like three or four people per team. But I have educator friends who have a team of eight or something like that, where a tool could really help keep things organized um, especially when you're like, oh, what did Sally say the other day? And then you have to look through an email thread um, to try to find it. So I think something like that. I've also gotten a lot better as a person too with this with like long-term project planning. So we use a platform called monday.com. And so it's basically you can see what everybody's working on. It says like what priority the task is, the long-term goals it relates to. And so it just, I feel like it really makes me really intentional about my work. And I think something like that could really help with transparency, like working towards goals too. I feel like you have to sometimes have to wait to like those faculty meetings, however often you have them. And I know my first district is only once a month and they're saying, oh, we're going to be starting this initiative. Okay, but where are we on that initiative? What's the update? And something like Monday or something like that could really help keep it transparent and like not only on that level, but also show what you're working on if you're helping develop a new unit or something like that. So that's it on like the tool side. But on a personal side, I have learned so much about myself and how I work the best because I feel like 
as a teacher, you go in and you're like, okay, in the morning, we all do this. We all have a prep time. This is what you do on your prep time. After school, you try to get all your stuff done. But I feel like getting out of education in a traditional sense and out of K-12 education, I feel like I've had the time and space and I've been encouraged to have that time and space to figure out how I work the best. And so like, for example, um, I work from home and I have a very flexible schedule. And so I've really been able to notice what times of day am I most productive? What kind of environments do I work in best? And so like for me, first thing in the morning, I'm not super productive, but I do need to log on and get started. And so I do any routine tasks right off the bat. Just anything that's lower brain power can help me ease into the day. I schedule most of my meetings for early afternoon because that is when I feel like I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm an introvert. And so I really have to like amp myself up to like <laughs> do a lot of meetings or lead events. And so I do that best early afternoon and then I still have time afterwards to really work on things. And so I feel like if I would have really thought about that as a teacher, I could still try to work that into my schedule as much as possible. Obviously with teaching and even some other jobs, it's like really constrained. But even thinking about that, just making sure I'm saving my like higher brain power projects for my prep time if it's at this time in the day, or maybe I could um, get some stuff done during my actual like lunch break and swap my lunch and my prep or whatever, like working with the time you have and really thinking about how can I do this best. Also, I'm a big, like I work from my computer and so, and it's a laptop. And so I'm able to move around the house. I'm able to go to a coffee shop and even thinking about being a teacher okay, so I can't really focus here. I realize I work better in this environment. Is there somewhere else in the school you can do 15 minutes of work? Can you move to a different part of your classroom that gets more sunlight? Whatever it is that helps you figure out how to do that. And I think it's those little things that can kind of add up to big returns, right? You know, even, you know, some people listening might think like, oh, well, yeah, sure. Like this big hack is going to be moving to another room, but like I have to second it. I definitely work best. I bounce around my building all day long, partially because of my role, but partially because like just a fresh space, some fresh, like different light, different environment, a different room. And then really trying to focus on what I need to do can be super, super helpful. Obviously not always an option when you got a classroom full of kids and a, a fully packed schedule, but these little tiny changes can make a, a big difference. And I think being able to get in tune with that is really difficult sometimes. And I, I think too, um, especially teaching elementary, I feel like it's a really big trend, but I've seen some really innovative high schools and such out there too. We're such big proponents for like flexible seating and stuff like that, where students can move around the room or even go into the hallway and work and where it's best for them. So why don't we do that? You know, and so if a student, I know my, one of my former teammates is the best at, um, I would go into her room while she was teaching and I was on a prep period and she would be like sitting on top of a table. And like, that was just acceptable with all of her students because like, that's how she works. Like she just knows I'm going to cross my legs. We're sitting on the table. We're going to teach from up here. And that's how it went. Um, and that worked for her. So, yeah. Yeah. And everybody has to find what works for them. Well, you know, as we're, as we're wrapping up here. Maybe you could take a second to talk a little bit about 
your journey and how you um, discovered how you work best. Because that is a little bit like some people might not know where to start. Sounds like for you, it was switching careers and that allowed you the opportunity. But no, having gone through that now, what would you recommend for somebody who maybe doesn't want to switch careers but wants to figure out how to make it more sustainable? Absolutely. So one thing, if you're looking for a bigger change, anytime anyone comes to me that they're in says like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm so stressed. I say, okay, wait a minute. It doesn't mean you need to leave teaching just because that was best for me doesn't mean it's necessarily best for you. So thinking about, have you been in the same role the whole time? Are you in the best role for you? If you teach third grade, would you be better in first grade? Would you be better in fifth grade? Have you ever taught in a different school, different type of setting? That's big. And even really thinking about, so when things got really hard for me, I went to therapy and I'm a huge proponent of therapy to everyone. And my therapist really made me dive deep because I came and essentially I was I was fully burned out. I was fully burned out as a teacher at the end. And she really made me dive deep into what was causing that. She said, okay, like, tell me about what really stressed you out today. And so I would have to talk about specific moments and we unpacked those specific moments. And so I would say for anybody listening, if you're having a hard time really thinking about what is it that's stressing you out and is it something within your control too? So like for me, um, Mine was I was just overstimulated all the time. And I realized that I have a lot of like sound sensitivity. And to be honest, that's not going to work as an elementary teacher. I was able to do things to make it better. And I was very open with my students about it. When it got to a breaking point, I was able to, we get accommodations for our students. I got an accommodation for myself. I took a sensory break essentially for 10 minutes every day at two o'clock when I realized I was typically at a breaking point. My instructional coach came and watched my room. I took a 10-minute break, came back, and I was a totally new person. And so really thinking about what is causing that for you and if there's some sort of change that you can make to make it a little better or is there something else you can try or are they factors beyond your control? I think there's a lot of weight too and just making sure you don't keep it to yourself too because there's so much that it could be outside your control, but it's just factors such as something an administrator's doing or a situation with a with a parent um and making sure i i leaned on my team a lot just know that you're not alone in that it can feel really isolating and especially too i'm very present on social media and so go and i follow a lot of teachers on there and so going on there and seeing social media which is a highlight reel seeing everybody like doing these big things in their classroom and super happy as a teacher that you need to find people that you can confide in and just say, hey, like today sucked and this is why. And just really be able to dive deep. And um, if it's something you can't change, just figure out how you can best deal with it and ask yourself, will this pass? Is there an opportunity for this to pass? And if there is, then stick in it and do what you can and know that it'll change. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and just sharing everything you have. Um, where can people keep up with you if they want to access some of your resources? Yeah. So my website is learningwithmisslegrow.com. Legrow is La Grow, L-A-G-R-O-W. It's my maiden name. So that's my website where I have my blog, helpful tips, free downloads, an opportunity to join my email list. I send out a free resource every single month that is not on Teachers Pay Teachers to my email list. 
Um, you can also find me on Teachers Pay Teachers, same name, Learning with Miss Legro. You can follow me on there. I'm also very active on social media, primarily Instagram and TikTok, but I'm also on Facebook as well with my handle Learning with Miss Legro. So keeping it branded all the way across. But I would love to connect, especially if you are an elementary teacher, specifically upper elementary. I would love to help you as much as possible and get connected. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thanks so much. And there you go. I am still super curious how many decisions an educator actually makes in a single day. Because Ashley's right, we do make more decisions than just for ourselves. We have to think about so many different people. I mean, if you're in a classroom full of 30 kids, just think about it, exponential amounts of decisions. So if you have any idea, or if somebody knows and has done the numbers and done the research, let me know. I'd love to put a number to this so we can kind of bring it up again to show people how insane it is to do this job. And if you have any stories yourself about how you've been able to adjust your workday or adjust your schedule, adjust the way that you do things to make it make a little bit more sense for you, I would love to hear from you because this is not something that just one person faces or just some people face. This is what a lot of people are dealing with. And I think the way that we start to think about how we can adjust our routines and how we can adjust our environments is so valuable for so many people that I don't want your story to go unheard. So let me know. I'd love to have you on the show. And as always, thank you for listening. I will catch you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Educator State of Mind podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, rate, and leave a review. Your feedback is extremely valuable because together we can make this show the best daily resource for educators. And did you know that you can get involved with the show? If you'd like to learn more about being a part of the podcast, head over to jakerusey.com forward slash podcast for more information. I accept submissions for episode ideas, sound clips to include in the show, and invitations for interviews. If you have something important to say, let's get it on the show. Thanks again and have a spectacular day.